Welcome to Futures Forum, mind-sharing ideas, innovations, and best practices. Hosted by StoryCraft Lab in partnership with Hub. Season two is focused on hybrid explorations. This episode is part two of an open forum and discusses what we need to know about hybrid. For this conversation, we gathered industry experts from Microsoft, Hub, Opus Agency, SEMA, The Charles Group, Convoke, Eventpreneur, and Lynchpin Events. In season two, we're turning our attention now to hybrid, right? That we think that that's really the next frontier, especially as people look out to planning events now that are happening towards the end of the year or the start of 2021. Hybrid is um, big on everybody's mind. Today is just, it's a kind of very zen-like activity of identifying what you see, what you're hearing, um, what you know, don't know. So Mahogany, tell us a little bit um, about your perspective here. You know, it's how, how are you feeling about hybrid? What, what kind of learnings are you taking and playing forward into that space? I mean, for me personally, I feel like um, hybrid has always been where sort of our sweet spot that's been underutilized. Um, I mean, the, to hear that the Microsoft team was, was afraid and the fear, I mean, it's something that I feel like we've been, I don't want to say battling, but we've struggled with for, for a number of years and the fear that technology was going to take away that personal element that we're afraid that we won't have human connection when we're online. But one thing that I can say that I'm, well, I'm super grateful for is that we're being reminded that we can recreate experiences and we can still deliver them in a way that's both engaging and fun. That is in person and online. The, the only thing from a hybrid perspective is, I mean, I always felt like I harped on this start small and see what happens and then progress. And then it just became a go now versus let's test and see will our audience take to the keynotes being streamed or engaging online and how can we mirror those two audiences so if we take a step back at the core fundamentals of what we're looking to create from an event perspective I feel like we're able to do even even more without being afraid of breaking the technology for example. Oh, that's so interesting. So just this idea of being comfortable with beta testing IRL, <laughs> you yeah. know, in a very public forum, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's a little more forgiving. I mean, if you think of social media, for example, or I mean, I mean, the Fortnite and Minecraft examples. I mean, my kids lived for the Minecraft two weeks ago. I guess there was timings. Whatever was happening, it was crazy to the kids in my household <laughs> but being able to translate that to real life applications for us now and showing everyone that things are possible it, it's kind of cool I mean if you think about even movie premieres how many times have we tried to explain as event producers that you can watch something and still enjoy and have a similar experience and still get something from it versus being in the movie theater. You can watch at home, have a different experience than being in the movie theater and still having a fun experience. What I love about the uh, example of the Minecraft um, and Fortnite is that you're in spaces virtually where co-creation is a component of the experience, right? So you have, 
you have the opportunity to build something together to affect the environment that you're in virtually, which is really an interesting idea, you know. Um, but I think those those examples then kind of raise the bar, don't they? So how do we do that? You know, Sarah's uh, uh, event curators <laughs> will uh, pick elements from those experiences. So it's just, it is this yeah. continual learning. Um, Something else that I find really cool is it's bringing us back to, I'll call it the, the true gift giving and mirror or matching your, your in real life experience with your virtual experience. So the, the fact that we're now curating boxes and swag bags to be more reflective of the event has actually been a gift. I mean, we were, how many of us were sick of the, the boring swag bags and now swag bags are back in, but we're doing something that matches the experience that's online. That's bringing everyone together. I mean, when did you have the budget to be able to send coffee makers to people right. so that they can all experience the same coffee making at home? I mean, we don't all have those budgets all the time, but <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful for them right now. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Julie, so over to you, my friend. How how are you feeling? You're kind of live, live from the event production trenches, as we said. Yeah, I think, you know, as Sarah said, I think it's very refreshing. And what Mahogany reiterated is it's okay to be afraid. Like, and it's okay to ask the question. And giving people this opportunity to do that at this time is what we should, and to be gentle and kind and just to explain it and explain it and explain it again. I, I feel like we talk about the same things over and over again because people are really having a hard time to visualize it. So, you know, a great team being able to put it in a document to show every click and to show everything when you can't actually see it within the platform yet because we're developing it and, you know, building that engine as the plane is flying along. So I think that those are the learnings that I've had is that you just have to keep finding the way to explain it to someone and the way that they'll be able to understand it has been my biggest challenge, but my biggest opportunity as someone to say, here, well, let me tell you it this way, or let me show it to you this way so that we can get there. And I think for me, my biggest question right now is what does this look like when it probably is, you know, Kim and I were talking about it today, summer of 2021, you know, what do events look like and who is that audience that's going to be sitting in front of us in person and who's going to be watching at home and who is going to be, you know, what does that consumer look like and how does that customer journey change in everything that we're doing? So it's, it's this, what is six months, nine months, a year down the road look like when there is so much more digital content available and they're probably going to be much smarter and further along potentially in their customer journey. And so how does that change a hybrid event? What does it look like physically? when they do come to us. So those are like the things that I'm starting to have great conversations to hypothesize on with folks to go, all right, now that we look at strategy, what, what changes? Right. And, and what are the things that, what an amazing opportunity that we got a reset button and how do we change that and reset a few things? Um, and that we always have been saying, at least for the programs I was involved in, we wanted to get these but programs more focused and really get these C-level events very focused. And so we, we get to actually try all this now and reset how we do these events. And I find that exciting and fascinating to see how we, you know, re reset what we're doing. I love hearing about it from that strategic perspective, because in terms of what we do 
as strategists and planners, it's going to be supporting that curatorial intent, right, that, that Sarah's dealing with. So dedicating a, a piece now of the work plan simply towards that educational goal, right, of bringing everybody to a place of comfort to make those decisions <laughs> that we want them to make and be bold and feel confident yes. in, in making those decisions. But I also think that you need to constantly be realist and say, you know, 2021, maybe. It, <laughs> it, a lot of variables are in mm -hmm. place. So as strategists, as, as people, you have to prepare for the worst and you have to figure it out. And what does that look like? And be creative in how you're addressing your audience in different ways to bring in different revenue. So it's brainstorming on what other revenue streams without the live in-person event. And if it's down to 20 people, what are you presenting and what kind of content are you giving that you mm -hmm. can get that extra revenue stream in? And that's a whole nother uh, session on just, you know, like Sarah, you know you're going to have your audience. I know my audience is loyal, but what about the other 500 people that have no idea who I am? So that's the crazy, that's what I think about all the time. I love that you just used content and revenue in the same sentence. Yeah. Because I think, <laughs> that's, it's, like, it's, I think that we've been on this journey where we're pulling content, right? We are all generating content. That's something that we, we can plug and then play out to the world. Um, but actually kind of monetizing that <laughs> content, I think. If you have great content, people will do whatever they want to get that content. So, I mean, and if you need to pay for it, you'll pay for it. So, right. we're, I mean, can't give stuff away anymore. Done. Right. <laughs> the freebies are over, Kim says. Yeah. Done. Yeah. Done with it. <laughs> Sarah's going, yes, I agree. <laughs> I love thinking about the, uh, the, the journeys, Julie, that you mentioned and kind of those different journeys between uh, the remote attendees and the in-person attendees and what that, those look like. And I'm curious as well as we chat next to Justin about kind of where those journeys intersect and how do we plan for and create those intersections. So just to kind of take two questions and add another one for you, Justin. <laughs> I love it. I love it always. Uh, I, I mean, I alluded to it a little bit in my intro that I'm focused so much on the emotional side because I think so many of us can get caught up in the technology and the tactical side of things, particularly as we're trying to navigate the unknown and all of this is so unknown for all of us. And so where I try to overcompensate often is pushing that emotional agenda. And a lot of what I've been focused on as we think about these types of experiences, designing it uh, for now and for later, and, and to your point about just uh, the journey as a whole, right? Knowing that we're trying to engage our audiences over this extended period of time regardless. We're not just focused on the event that we have tomorrow or six months from now or even three years from now. We're focused on how we engage them in something that is hopefully ultimately more meaningful for them as a result of their direct participation in it, the value that we're offering them, the sort of culture that we're creating through their participation, through their contribution in that. And so we have to look at this lens of what I'm calling my sort of emotional drivers in the way that I'm thinking about architecting these types of experiences and the types of questions 
that I'm bringing to the table to teams as we're working through all of these bits and pieces. And you can have a lot of fun with it, right? You know, Sarah, you mentioned fear as something that the team is dealing with. And a lot of that fear is based on the complexity of the situation. You're surrounded by a million tools. And when you're thinking about engaging your audience in this, you're like, well, how do I explain this in a way that they're going to feel empowered to participate? They're not going to be overwhelmed by this. There's, I'm reducing that barrier in front of them, reducing that friction, right? And the way that we think about marketing across the whole, and the way that we think about product experience and design across the the sort of full gamut of what we're doing. And a lot of that, if we think about it from an emotional perspective, we can tap into some really valuable clues that we have available to us in society. We think of rituals that we all participate in, in our daily lives, or that help define us, or develop a sense of community. Ali, you mentioned inclusivity, which is so important to you. And so, you know, it's directly applicable in that sense as well. When we think about rituals, such as even just, you know, basic table manners that we have when we sit at a table together and which fork do I use and, you know, how am I passing this or that or whatever, when we start to break things down in a truly sort of human level and that capacity and start to apply this emotional filter to something, you actually begin to embrace complexity and start to reduce a lot of that fear. You open the door to this opportunity of inclusivity through my direct participation and contribution to something that is bigger than myself that I can identify with, that I can take with me long after this moment that I'm participating and right now through this primary engagement that can benefit me, offer value beyond in, in a myriad of different ways and the way that I think about applying it. So you're, you're starting to, uh, you, you've widened the aperture, right? In a lot of ways in terms of our focus. Um, and the lens through which we're looking at things. You know, Sarah, you also, also mentioned uh, you've got a very inquisitive audience. And so that in and of itself, curiosity is this wonderful emotional driver to play with. And so if you really just start at a baseline approach in terms of evaluating, okay, how do I inspire my audience to be more curious? How do I satisfy some of that curiosity and what I'm trying to bring to them? How do I ask more questions, not fewer? How do I open the door for them to feel like they can ask more questions, that they can dive deeper, that there's possibly so many answers that I have set up and designed as part of this experience, but so many answers that I don't have and I'm opening the door for them to uncover with me as part of this experience as a whole. You, you again, right, you're widening that lens and at times you're zeroing in because you know you need to as part of this experience. But when we step away from this very tactical way of, of looking at how we're addressing this moment in time, and we start to look at it from this very human emotional perspective, you realize now we're in this place of playing. And now we're in this place of discovery and creativity. And we're unleashing all these wonderful, powerful tools that we have at our disposal that uh, hopefully can, can inspire all of us just to love our jobs that much more, even in the difficult times, even in the frustratingly overwhelming times like Kim that you're going through at some of these moments right now. But you know, how, are we, how, how do we become the scientists, the experimenters, the creators, the, the playmates, the contributors in the way that we're going through this experience and breaking it down into those 
types of terms, because then I don't think that the traditional language of digital hybrid, what have you, all of that matters anymore. And the tools will inevitably come and the technology will continue to evolve, but we're focused on step one and the primary objective in all of this, which is just creating that ultimate connection with people. So some of that begins with asking what do they need, right? Yeah. Who, who are they and, and how do we meet people where they are in this moment? Understanding totally. that, you know, I think what we're all experiencing is on a, a scale, right? It's not fixed. What I'm feeling about events right now, I will feel differently in six months. You know? mm. So we almost kind of constantly have to check in and ask Absolutely. what they need. Um, what do they need for fun? What do they need for emotion? <laughs> yeah. 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 Absolutely. And, and there's some fun, playful ways to think about it too. That, like I said, these emotional drivers, and I'm kind of building a whole list of them as I use this as a sort of blueprint exercise to go with people because it's getting us out of our brains, getting us out of the logistical nightmare of the, oh goodness, I have to solve for this right now. And instead, it's just opening up our vocabulary you know i've talked about that before right with this group here when we when we were together in the first season widening that vocabulary because the minute we start to do that we're creative again in the way that we approach this work broadening the canvas i love it <laughs> so sarah i'm going to turn to you to share with us your your take it's, um, I mean, from from my side i'm seeing a, a real range and it seems to be by like different type of clients that we work with. The association clients are embracing it and they are going towards virtual and, and talking about hybrid and they're looking at it at, you know, reimagining, talking about possibilities. And, you know, that is very exciting to work with. My corporate clients who tend to be mainly on the insurance side, they hate it. They, they're telling us, you know, our executives, they don't like it. No one's going to go. This isn't going to last. A couple of months from now, we'll be back. And we're trying to work to, to change their mind because, you know, in all reality, we know the next spring that we probably won't be back to full. Or if we are, it'll be virtual. It'll be hybrid, mm -hmm. even if it's not full virtual. So we're trying to convince them to, to include a hybrid element. But my biggest challenge is figuring out, you know, a lot of these are client events where they their salespeople meet in a room with their biggest clients and a lot of sales and business are done in a lot of relationships and that's why they don't see these as events where they can go virtual because they're losing that and it's trying to trying to figure out a way where the hybrid element doesn't seem like an afterthought that they're you know getting them interested getting getting their sales team excited about getting their clients involved virtually that's my big challenge and that's what I love to kind of like hear about from the group and to see that come forward because, you know, from, from a business meeting point of view, they're doing just fine. The hybrid side, the people that are in person, the people on the phone, you know, the advisory boards and, and all of that, but it's these big, it's these big corporate client events where a lot of face-to-face -face interaction is key. They're, they're fighting it and I'm trying to figure out how to, how to keep the hybrid audience as engaged and as excited as those people that are, for example, standing in the room watching a concert, you know, cause it's, it's two different experiences. And that, that's what I'm currently trying to figure out and working on. 
That's so interesting. So it's it's really that sales side. How do events, virtual, the virtual or remote experiences feed that sales cycle in a way that kind of physically face to face, we figured out the executive meeting center and, you know, how you can move people up the the ladder of that conversation, right? Um, Along that pathway. But I think that um, it's, it sounds like at least there's uncertainty about how, how that, those transactional conversations take place. Yeah, and a lot of their audience is, is older and they're not as excited about technology and, you know, the, the executives in the room are saying, no, no. So that's my challenge right now, <laughs> trying to get them excited. So I wonder then, you know, perhaps that's uh, another follow-up conversation is, again, thinking about what it is that we as strategists and planners and creators can start to bring to folks to help them along in that decision-making. Because, you know, I think um, resistance is futile, as they say. (laughs) So it's just about kind of bringing people along in that process. Thank you to everybody for joining. You've certainly given us a list of things that we have to figure out. So I'm, I'm hopeful that you all get to come back uh, with us and kind of uh, go along on that journey. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your time today. <laughs>